Section 78 of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 4 Greece and Rome. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 78 The Christian Martyrs in the Arena. 64 A.D. From Quo Vadis. By Henrik Sienkiewicz. During the reign of Nero occurred the terrible fire which destroyed more than half of the Roman capital. There were rumors abroad that Nero himself had set fire to the city in order that its burning might afford him a new amusement. These rumors became so threatening that the emperor thought it the part of wisdom to avert suspicion from himself by charging the crime upon the Christians. In the savage persecution which followed, St. Paul was beheaded. The Editor Meanwhile the trumpets announced the end of the interval. People began to leave the passages where they had assembled to straighten their legs and converse. A general movement set in with the usual dispute about seats occupied previously. Senators and patricians hastened to their places. The uproar ceased after a time, and the amphitheatre returned to order. On the arena, a crowd of people appeared to dig out here and there lumps of sand formed with stiffened blood. The turn of the Christians was at hand. But since that was a new spectacle for people, and no one knew how they would bear themselves, all waited with a certain curiosity. The disposition of the audience was attentive, but unfriendly. They were waiting for uncommon scenes. Those people who were to appear had burned Rome and its ancient treasures. They had drunk the blood of infants and poisoned water. They had cursed the whole human race and committed the vilest crimes. The harshest punishment did not suffice the roused hatred, and if any fear possessed people's hearts, it was this, that the torture of the Christians would not equal the guilt of those ominous criminals. Meanwhile the sun had risen high, its rays passing through the purple velarium had filled the amphitheatre with a bloody light. The sand assumed a fiery colour, and in those gleams, in the faces of people as well as in the empty arena, which after a time was to be filled with the torture of people and the rage of savage beasts, there was something terrible. Death and terror seemed hovering in the air. The throng, usually gladsome, became moody under the influence of hate and silence. Faces had a sullen expression. Now the prefect gave a sign. The same old man appeared, dressed as Charon, who had called the gladiators to death, and passing with slow step across the arena amid silence, he struck three times again on the door. 
throughout the amphitheatre was heard the deep murmur, The Christians! The Christians! The iron gratings creaked. Through the dark openings were heard the usual cries of the scourgers, To the sand! And in one moment the arena was peopled with crowds, as it were of satyrs covered with skins. All ran quickly, somewhat feverishly, and reaching the middle of the circle, they knelt one by another with raised hands. The spectators, judging this to be a prayer for pity, and enraged by such cowardice, began to stamp, whistle, throw empty wine vessels, bones from which the flesh had been eaten, and shout, The beasts! The beasts! But all at once something unexpected took place. From out the shaggy assembly singing voices were raised, and then sounded that hymn heard for the first time in a Roman amphitheatre. Christus Regnat. Astonishment seized the spectators. The condemned sang with eyes raised to the valerium. The audience saw faces pale, as it were, inspired. All understood that those people were not asking for mercy, that they seemed not to see the circus, the audience, the senate, or Caesar. Christus Regnot rose ever louder, and in the seats far up to the highest, among the rows of spectators, more than one asked himself the question, What is happening? And who is that Christus who reigns in the mouths of those people who are about to die? But meanwhile, a new grating was opened, and into the arena rushed with mad speed and barking, whole packs of dogs. Gigantic, yellow Malagians from the Peloponnesus, pied dogs from the Pyrenees, and wolf-like hounds from Hibernia. Purposely famished, their sides were lank and their eyes bloodshot. Their howls and whines filled the amphitheatre. When the Christians had finished their hymn, they remained kneeling, motionless, as if petrified, merely repeating in one groaning chorus, Pro Cristo, Pro Cristo. The dogs, catching the odor of people under the skins of beasts, and surprised by their silence, did not rush on them at once. Some stood against the walls of the boxes, as if wishing to go among the spectators. Others ran around, barking furiously, as though chasing some unseen beast. The people were angry. A thousand voices began to call. Some howled like wild beasts, some barked like dogs. Others urged them on in every language. The amphitheater was trembling from uproar. The excited dogs began to run to the kneeling people, then to draw back, snapping their teeth, till at last one of the Malagians drove his teeth into the shoulder of a woman kneeling in front and dragged her under him. Tens of the dogs rushed into the crowd now, as if to break through it. The audience ceased to howl so as to look with greater attention. 
amidst the howling and the whining were heard yet the plaintive voices of men and women pro cristo pro cristo but on the arena were formed quivering masses of the bodies of dogs and people blood flowed in streams from the torn bodies dogs dragged from each other the bloody limbs of people the odor of blood and torn entrails was stronger than arabian perfumes and filled the whole circus at last only here and there were visible single kneeling forms which were soon covered by moving squirming masses vinicius who at that moment when the christians ran in stood up and turned as to indicate to the quarrymen as he had promised the direction in which the apostle was hidden among the people of petronius sat down again and with the face of a dead man continued to look with glassy eyes on the ghastly spectacle at first fear that the quarrymen might have been mistaken and that perchance lygia was among the victims benumbed him completely but when he heard the voices pro cristo when he saw the torture of so many victims who in dying confessed their faith and their god another feeling possessed him piercing him like the most dreadful pain but irresistible that feeling was this if christ himself died in torment if thousands are perishing for him now if a sea of blood is poured forth one drop more signifies nothing and it is a sin even to ask for mercy that thought came to him from the arena penetrated him with the groans of the dying with the odor of their blood but still he prayed and repeated with parched lips o oh christ o oh christ and thy apostle prayed for her then he forgot himself lost consciousness of where he was it seemed to him that blood on the arena was rising and rising and it was coming up and flowing out of the circus over all rome for the rest he heard nothing neither the howling of dogs nor the uproar of the people nor the voices of the augustians who began all at once to cry kilo has fainted kilo has fainted said petronius turning toward the greek and he had fainted really he sat there white as linen his head fallen back his mouth wide open like that of a corpse at that same moment they were urging into the arena new victims sewed up in skins these knelt immediately like those who had gone before but the weary dogs would not rend them barely a few threw themselves on to those kneeling nearest but others lay down and raising their bloody jaws began to scratch their sides and yawn heavily then the audience disturbed in spirit but drunk with blood and wild began to cry with hoarse voices the lions the lions let out the lions the lions were to be kept for the next day 
But in the amphitheatres, the people imposed their will on everyone, even on Caesar. Caligula alone, insolent and changeable in his wishes, dared to oppose them. And there were cases when he gave command to beat the people with clubs, but even he yielded most frequently. Nero, to whom plaudits were dearer than all else in the world, never resisted. All the more did he not resist now, when it was a question of mollifying the populace, excited after the conflagration, and a question of the Christians, on whom he wished to cast the blame of the catastrophe. He gave the sign, therefore, to open the caniculum, seeing which the people were calmed in a moment. They heard the creaking of the doors behind which the lions were. At sight of the lions, the dogs gathered in one crowd on the opposite side of the arena with low whines. The lions walked into the arena one after another, immense, tawny, with great shaggy heads. Caesar himself turned his wearied face toward them, and placed the emerald to his eye to see better. The Augustians greeted them with applause, the crowd counted them on their fingers, and followed eagerly the impression which the sight of them would make on the Christians kneeling in the centre, who again had begun to repeat the words, without meaning for many, but annoying to all, Pro Cristo, Pro Cristo. But the lions, though hungry, did not hasten to their victims. The ruddy light in the arena dazzled them, so they half-closed their eyes as if dazed. Some stretched their yellowish bodies lazily, some, opening their jaws, yawned. One might have said that they wanted to show their terrible teeth to the audience. But later the odor of blood and torn bodies, many of which were lying on the sand, began to act on them. Soon their movements became restless. Their manes rose, their nostrils drew in the air with a hoarse sound. One of them fell suddenly on the body of a woman with a torn face, and lying with his forepaws on the body, licked with rough tongue the stiffened blood. Another approached a man who was holding in his arms a child sewed up in a fawn's skin. The child, trembling from crying and weeping, clung convulsively to the neck of its father. He, wishing to prolong its life even for a moment, tried to pull it from his neck, so as to hand it to those kneeling farther on. But the cry and the movement irritated the lion. All at once he gave out a short, broken roar, killed the child with one blow of his paw, and seizing the head of the father in his jaws, crushed it in a twinkle. At sight of this, all the other lions fell upon the crowd of Christians. Some women could not restrain cries of terror, but the audience drowned these with plaudits, which soon ceased, however, for the wish to see gained the mastery. They beheld terrible things then. Heads disappearing entirely in open jaws, breasts torn apart with one blow, hearts and lungs swept away, 
the crushing of bones under the teeth of lions. Some lions, seizing victims by the ribs or loins, ran with mad springs through the arena, as if seeking hidden places in which to devour them. Others fought, rose on their hind legs, grappled one another like wrestlers, and filled the amphitheater with thunder. People rose from their places. Some left their seats, went down lower through the passages to see better, and crowded one another mortally. It seemed that the excited multitude would throw itself at last into the arena, and rend the Christians in company with the lions. At moments an unearthly noise was heard. At moments applause, at moments roaring, rumbling, the clashing of teeth, the howling of Malajan dogs, at times only groans. Caesar, holding the emerald to his eye, looked now with attention. The face of Petronius assumed an expression of contempt and disgust. Kilo had been born out of the circus. But from the caniculum, new victims were driven out continually. From the highest row in the amphitheater, the Apostle Peter looked at them. No one saw him, for all heads were turned to the arena. So he rose, and as formerly in the vineyard of Cornelius, he had blessed for death and eternity those who were intended for imprisonment. So now he blessed with the cross those who were perishing under the teeth of wild beasts. He blessed their blood, their torture, their dead bodies turned into shapeless masses, and their souls flying away from the bloody sand. Some raised their eyes to him, and their faces grew radiant. They smiled when they saw high above them the sign of the cross. But his heart was rent, and he said, O oh Lord, let thy will be done. These my sheep perish to thy glory, in testimony of the truth. Thou didst command me to feed them. Hence I give them to thee, and do thou count them, Lord. Take them, heal their wounds, soften their pain. Give them happiness, greater than the torments they suffer here. End of section 85 This recording is in the public domain. Recording by The Story Girl.